Welcome to Ozarks Hates and Hooch. This ain't no fancy, academic, check your references kind of deal. We are two sisters from the Ozarks, sipping and spewing about Hanks, Hooch, and history. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to Ozarks Hanks and Hooch. This hello. is Dina. Hi, I'm Dawn. Dawn. <laughs> and you are listening to episode 15 of season three. Woohoo! Um, Dawn's got the big story tonight. That's why I'm talking first. I'm going to go through our housekeeping and tell you some other things, and then we'll get into our drink, and then we'll get into our story. So first of all, we always like to tell you that we're on social media. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Um, we have a website, which is ozarkshanksinhooch.weebly.com. We release on the 1st and the 15th of each month. We would love for you to subscribe and give us all the stars you possibly can. Um, go look at our Patreon. We've got one of those, and we would love for you to look in there and um, maybe sign up to be a paint or a hoochie or whatever we got in there. You get some extra special goodies from us, and you get um, early access to our episodes. Uh, mm -hmm. Tech disclaimer, um, you know, once again, two girls, two different states. Uh, iffy mm -hmm. Wi-Fi sometimes. Um, nobody's mowing today, so that's yeah. Good. My windows are my closed. House. Yeah, because yeah, no. the freaking air conditioner's on because it went from literally sixty-eight degrees to ninety-five in a day. Yeah, that's well. Oh, welcome to South Carolina. Yeah. Oh, it's been awful. Like, um, I was one of my moms from the daycare. She was saying her air conditioner. My air conditioner has not caught up. Like it is 78 degrees in here right now because it can't catch up because it literally went from 65 to 90. I think it's 92 today. So, you know, our real sense. mother, yes. her air conditioner went out. Yes. Yes, I do. Because my daughter who lives with her is about to die because she is her <laughs> father's child. I walked downstairs what night? I guess that was Wednesday night. I walked downstairs to give her and she was like, it is freaking 84 degrees in here. <laughs> Which is she really, literally, she was that's amazing. laying on her bed downstairs. That's amazing for that basement. I don't know that it's ever been 84 degrees. Yeah, she was dying. Uh, so anyway, everybody say a little prayer for Peyton because she does not handle the heat well. <laughs> Me, she's like, a girl after my own heart. The older I get, the less I like the heat. So I said, Peyton was, I said, I bet mom was fine when she's sitting up there with a blanket on. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking coffee, probably. Drinking coffee, probably yeah. so. No, mom did go, you know, I'm comfortable. It's really not that bad in here. Like, mom, it's hot. It's hot in here, and I like hot. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, I don't even know where I was at. Oh, I was in the middle of my text tech disclaimer. Actually, all my yeah. kids are at work. The boys are at work. Pace is literally conked out on the couch because we have started Shepherd the Hills, and three nights a week we get home at midnight, and he's been map testing at school. So he is okay. a tired, tired boy. But well, so I should say 
I had a meeting and I'm putting that in quotes and um, I've already had two drinks. And then because I don't understand dates and time and calendars, like my brain doesn't, I'm very nonlinear. So my brain doesn't process that. Like I couldn't tell you what time it is. I don't know what date it is, all of that stuff. So I had asked Dina if she would give me 30 extra minutes. And then I ended up getting home an hour and a half early because I didn't make the central to Eastern time shift. So so I had thought, well, now I have extra time. So I'm going to clean the daycare so I don't have to do it later. And she calls me and she's like, are you ready? Or she texts me, are you ready to go? And I'm like, uh, I know. So the point is, I have had three drinks now. Now I'm on water. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Don't I have the and big story? Okay. Yes, you're, you got the big story. So I don't mm. know, maybe you should be drinking the coffee. <laughs> really? We will segue into the drink. How's that? Okay. We're going to segue into the drink. It is called Le Bandit. Mm. And Dawn will tell you why in a minute. Maybe. It has got, uh, we hope, it has got... <laughs> um, a half, one and a half ounces of spiced rum, a half ounce of almond liqueur, two ounces of pineapple juice, two teaspoons of sugar, two sprigs of fresh mint, a quarter of a fresh pineapple cut into pieces, ice cubes, and then more pineapple for garnish. So in a shaker, you are going to take the rum, the almond liqueur, and pineapple juice um, and, and ice, and then set it aside you put um, pieces of pineapple and the fresh mint in a high edge container and using a hand blender mixed together until liquid. That was kind of hard for me. Like it didn't really, I had to keep adding pineapple juice to make it make a liquid. I also had, well, I used canned. I didn't use fresh. Maybe that has something to do with it, but like a big, huge can of pineapple juice is $4 and I would use two ounces and then it would go bad. Mm -hmm. So I just got a can of pineapple rings. And use the oh. juice out of that for my pineapple juice because I am thrifty. Is this hey. keto? No, probably not. Is it going to shoot me right out of ketosis? Probably so. Yeah. So um, I did not. I could. I just didn't have time, uh, and I won't go into why. But I didn't have fresh or canned pineapple. I just used pineapple juice, and this is the first drink that I really have not made very close to the recipe and this is i have really made this like i got my hand blender out i mixed the pineapple in the mint poured that into the shaker it says shake vigorously for eight to ten seconds across the rim of an old-fashioned glass with sugar and i did that part yeah and strain it and i mean dawn's it this is sweet i mean she's not gonna like it it's not gonna be her favorite um i don't taste i I don't taste the alcohol. It's just very quantity. So, you know, I'm not a huge rum fan and I'm a less rum, spiced rum fan. So I taste it a lot. And I should have taken a picture. I walked in, you know, here in the South, we have ABC stores. Like you can't have a individual liquor store. It's all controlled by the state, right? So I went into this ABC store and luckily they had an airplane bottle of spiced rum. So it's probably crap, (laughs) but I was glad to only pay like a dollar 50 for it or something. 
Yeah. And so I didn't do any, I rimmed the glass and everything, but yeah, it's way too sweet for me, but I drank it. Yeah, it's fine. I like it. Like I said, I can't, this would probably be dangerous for me because I cannot taste the alcohol. So I'm probably going to drink it too fast. Woohoo! But that's okay because I can because I'm done right now. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's all on to dawn. So get your cup of coffee. We'll see if you can talk better <laughs> than I talked the last time we did. All that. right, I got. Uh, I have a glass of water, so you'll probably be hearing me um, sip out of that. So th- the reason why the drink is called Le Bandit is because we're going to talk about Bell Star and. Um, even though she was typically considered to be a wild west outlaw, she actually grew or was grew up in Carthage, Missouri. So there you go. Actually, Missouri had a lot of outlaws. I think people don't realize that. They just assume that, you know, they were all in the West. But mm-hmm. Bell Star was an infamous outlaw in the Wild West in the second half of the 1800s. She has been credited with stealing from the rich and giving to the poor, cleaning out crooked poker games with her six shooters, and galloping down city streets with pistols blazing. However, in recent years, historians have gathered data that suggests that she committed far fewer criminal acts than her legend would suggest, with the men in her life being the main purveyors of the illicit and criminal criminal acts, um, which, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that. But in addition to a number of works inspired by Bell's life, including the 1941 film Bell Star, starring Jean Tierney, that's the woman, a noted biography on the Western icon was written by Glenn Shirley called Bell Star and Her Times, The Literature, The Facts, and The Legend. Um, So I didn't get to read that book, but I want to. um, But aside from uh, the book, um, I looked at biography.com, Britannia, no, Britannia, Britannica.com, historynet.com and legendsofamerica.com. She was quite famous. So there's a bunch of websites on the internet that you can look at. Um, What I found really fascinating about her was the fact that there were so many rumors about her being this wild woman who killed a bunch of people and robbed and all these things. And in fact, she never really did any of that stuff. Like they, like I said before, it's mainly the, her bad man choices. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like her so much. I, we all I feel, feel that, right? We yeah. all had a few of those. Bad man choices yeah. who really gave her that reputation. Um, it's interesting. So I'll get a little bit academic, you know, cause I always do, cause I have to, cause that's what I do. But, um, whenever I, I see like plays and any history I read and stuff like that, I always see it through a feminist lens and I'm not trying to necessarily, but I've sort of come to grips and, I made peace with the fact that that's how I view the world. I look at the world as a woman um, looking at women's 
problems and issues and how women are treated and how they're um, personified in history. Mm-hmm. So um, it's interesting when you read about historic women, his, you know, we think like, well, nobody in the Wild West ever had a baby she didn't want or nobody in the Wild West, you know, had a man that left her or whatever. Women have always had the same problems. I mean, what we're suffering now as a gender is no different than really what women have always suffered. And so I think we'll see this as I tell the story, which is going to be kind of long, but I didn't know how else to do it. So this isn't necessarily spooky or murderous because she really wasn't that bad of a person, but maybe we can set the record straight. So Myra Maybell Bell Shirley, that was her last name, who later became known as Bell Star upon her marriage to Sam Star, was born February 5th, 1848 in Carthage, Missouri. She was the daughter of John Shirley and his third wife, Elizabeth Hatfield Shirley. A pianist, Bell grew up in a household with her parents and their other children, including much older half-siblings from her father's first marriages. Her elder brother, John Addison, called Bud, influenced her greatly, as did the fact that she grew up in the years leading up to the Civil War in the contested Missouri Territory. So to talk about that a little bit, the Mason-Dixon line kind of runs in a wide border along the Missouri-Arkansas border, and Missouri generally was Union, although it was contested, and you see a lot of Confederate Union skirmishes along that wide border. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Uh. Really. Uh, speaking of people we know. Um, though Bell received her education from a girls' academy, the Carthage Female Academy, which I'm sure I didn't get a chance to sort of get into that, but Dina and Deidre and I and mom all went to a, a women's college. I, I find those fascinating, you know. Um, and at first lived the life of a spoiled rich girl, Bud, her older half-brother, taught her to use guns and ride horses. And it's believed that she joined him unofficially as he tried to subvert the union's efforts in Missouri because the Shirley family supported the Confederacy. So that's a really good example of a family that lives in Missouri, but is actually a Confederate sympathizers. Mm-hmm. So Jasper County saw both armies pass through time and again, Jasper is where Carthage is. Residents were forced to take sides because you know, as the union and the Confederates came in, and they would come to these wealthy families, they would force them to um, say what side they were on, right? So this caused neighbors to become bitter enemies and irregular bands of Jayhawkers and red legs. And those, um, the Jayhawkers were in Kansas mostly, laid waste to Missouri communities in support of the union. Um, so, there were all these vigilante groups and I'll talk about the ball knobbers in a minute, but um, so the Jayhawkers and the Redlegs were union. 
And the gorillas and the bushwhackers, led by Bloody Bill Anderson and William Clark Quantrill, retaliated with death and destruction in Kansas. So those vigilante groups were Confederate. Um, interestingly, Frank and Jesse James and Cole Younger and the Younger Brothers rode with the Confederate rebel raiders. Ball knobbers, which Dina and I know um, because of Shepherd of the Hills were later, um, they were uh, usually, I mean, we, we see historical records of them from about 1885 through 89. And the Civil War ends in, um, in the 40s, in the mid 40s. So. Um, so Bud dies in 1864 and the um, Shirley family moved to Texas. So I know they're out of Missouri, but they end up coming back. So, you know, um, these were difficult times for Southern sympathizers. Um, the Southerners who'd previously governed were disqualified from holding office because the Union won. I, I know. Guess what? In the Civil War, <laughs> the North wins. I know that's hard for some people these days to um, come to terms with, but it's true. Um, so carpetbaggers, um, and carpetbaggers are defined as the Northerners who went to the South after the Civil War for political or financial advantage, were in control. So the South loses all these carpetbaggers come in and buy up property and, and because the South had no authority anymore, right? Uh -huh. Amnesty was granted to federal guerrillas, but not to those of the Confederacy. So all of those vigilante groups that were union vigilante groups were granted amnesty, right? But not the Confederate vigilante groups, which, you know, kind of figures. Mm -hmm. um, the news of the day dealt largely with bank robberies and train holdups accredited to the James brothers. And by the way, Jesse James' first train robbery was in the Ozarks. And we need to do one of us, Dina, needs to do. Yeah, I think it's on the I think it's on the list. OK, good. Am I doing it? I don't even know. I don't know. Maybe you are. Um, so. Uh, these train holdups and all of that were credited to J the James brothers, the Youngers, and others who had ridden with Quantrill and Bloody Bill Anderson. They were like the, in the Ozarks and in the South, really, they were the bad Confederate vigilantes. Mm -hmm. So one of these outlaw bands seeking refuge stayed at the Shirley house one night Bell later stated that it was there that she became reacquainted with the first man she ever loved. His name was Jim Reed, a Missouri outlaw, and she'd first met him back in Missouri, where the Reed and Shirley families had been friends. So they're in Texas, right? So she remakes him in Texas. The romance blossoms in Texas, and Bell and Jim married sort of in 1866. She actually became his common law wife because legends say her marriage was said to have been performed on horseback, not by a man of the cloth, but by another member of the gang. <laughs> so, um, okay. In 1868, she gives birth to her first child, Pearl. And there's a big rumor that Cole Younger of the notorious Younger Brothers was the father. Um, and 
as I'm reading through articles, you know, that's basically what people say is that he's probably Cole Younger or she's probably Cole Younger's daughter. The presence of Cole Younger, the Shirley residence has led to the fiction that he seduced Belle and she bore his illegitimate daughter. Younger admitted that he did visit the Shirley's in Texas, but in 1864, not 1866, in later discoveries of historical records. So he stated that the next time he saw Bell was at the Reed residence in Missouri in 1868. When he saw her, she was already six months pregnant with Pearl. Some authors insist this denial was the response of a Southern gentleman, but a manuscript compiled by Richard Reed, younger brother of Bell's husband, supports Younger's story. So Younger says, no, it wasn't. I didn't even see her till two years after the baby was born. So um, soon after Pearl's birth, Bell's brother, Ed Shirley, was shot and killed for stealing horses. And it's likely that the young mother returned to Texas for the funeral and to show off the new daughter. The next several months were spent with her mother-in-law back in Missouri. Since there is little documentation of Belle's life during this period, some of her biographers have her prancing through dance halls and saloons of Dallas. However, this has been refuted by a neighbor of the Reeds who recalled Belle and the baby living at the Reed household and attending church. Um, so I'm going to digress a little bit here. Um, if you, I've read like hundreds of melodramas from this period and, and melodramas were the most prolific. Oh my God. I've, I've lost words, <laughs> Dina. I mean, prolific. Numerous. <laughs> I can't think of the word. So melodramas were the most popular <clears throat> entertainment of the day. And it's interesting how women are portrayed in these melodramas. So if um, a woman is a heroine, if she's the good girl, um, she can like have succumbed to some form of temptation and then she can redeem herself but only by dying. And if it's a man who's a hero, he can succumb to some sort of temptation. He can redeem himself and go on to live a productive life. So when you read a bunch of these plays, um, you see that women's roles and reputations are really colored by the philosophies of the day that women can't control themselves and that you know, temptation yeah. for women is like, you just can't help it. <laughs> I don't know, take drugs or have a bunch of sex or whatever. So yeah. um, when we read these stories of Belle Starr, who's supposed to be this wild woman, and really she was just sort of going to church and having kids and, you know, all of that, it, mm -hmm. it kind yeah. of goes along with that. So after the Civil War, Tom Starr and his sons built a thriving business selling whiskey and wrestling. Jim Reed, her husband, then husband, participated in their, in their nefarious activities and then killed a man to avenge the death of his older brother, Scott Reed, who'd been gunned down. 
So a writ was a a writ, um, you know, a court order was issued against Reed for murder and for bringing whiskey into Indian territory, which was against the law. And that made him a full-fledged fugitive. This, coupled with threats from friends of the man he'd slain, caused him to seek a healthier climate. So he, Bell and Pearl, headed for California earlier, early in 1869. So Bell gives birth to their second child, James Edwin, or Eddie, on February 22nd, 1871, while they're still on the Pacific coast. In late March, Jim is accused of passing counterfeit money. The subsequent investigation disclosed that he was wanted for murder and the authorities set out after him. So he flees for Texas on horseback, sending his family back via stagecoach. So various biographers have the Reeds, Bell, and the kids returning to Texas in 1872 or 74, but it was March 1871, according to Cole Younger, who assisted in getting the reeds set up on a farm. Now, I don't know how you say this. It's a town in Texas, S-C-Y-E-N-E, Cyan. Hmm, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. S-C-Y-E-N-E. You're asking the wrong person. Okay, well, somebody tell us. Oh, I'm sure, so, I'm sure if we're wrong, they will. Okay, so anyway, they're in Texas. Uh, Pearl and the kids. I'm uh, not Pearl. Duh, that's a daughter. Belle and the kids. Belle and the kids. So Reed returns to Texas alone in August of 1874, and um, one of his former sort of acquaintance friends, John T. Morris, had been deputized especially to capture him for the price of his head. Reed, unaware of this, wound up traveling with Morris, where he was shot and killed. Several biographers wrote that Bell denied that the dead man was her husband in order to keep Morris from receiving the reward money, which I think is really smart on her part. Newspaper accounts of the death, however, indicate that the corpse was identified by those who knew Reed. So um, Reed, his death leaves Bell destitute because he hadn't all the all the horse stealing and all that stuff that he'd done, he never sent back to her. So we don't know much about her life after his immediate death. It's known that her father died in 1876 and her mother sold the farm and moved to Dallas. So her mother sells the farm in Carthage. Um, Bells also sold her farm and apparently spent a lot of time at the Reed home in Missouri. Um, some authors have tried to fill the gaps in Bell's story by suggesting she was involved in such activities as burning down a store, robbing a bank, being jailed for horse stealing, and then eloping with her jailer, um, robbing a poker game, running a livery stale, stale, a livery stable, um, <laughs> stale. Uh, some act these activities are not, however, reflected in court records or newspaper accounts. So local gossip had it that Bell lived with Bruce Younger for a short time in Canvas. Oh my God, Tina. You local have, gossip. You have what I had last I, time. Yeah. Local gossip had it that Bell lived with Bruce Younger for a short time in Kansas. Bruce was an 
uncle of outlaw Cole Younger. Um, all right. Uh, in the book Star Trek's Bell and Pearl Star, author Philip Steele says that Bell and Bruce were married in Kansas on May 15th, 1880. Um, if Bell did marry Bruce Younger in 1880, he wasn't the only man she married that year because records show that three weeks later on June 5th, Bell married Sam Starr, the handsome three-quarter Cherokee son of Tom Starr. Sam was 23 and Belle was 27, though we think she was probably 32, actually. So <laughs> this just goes to show you that you have to be really careful when you read history because history is always funneled through other people, right? Yeah. And yeah. yeah, and so if there's, you have to look at who says she married this guy one guy who says she married this guy three guys and yeah. you know you have to you have to do that okay um okay so we think she probably married sam star the newlyweds cleared the land and settled into a comfortable cabin at younger's bend on the canadian river about 70 miles southwest of fort smith arkansas so now she's kind of back in the ozarks the name Younger's Bend was, according to one account, given to this place by Tom Starr because he had been so impressed by the Younger gang. In any case, it was Indian territory and outlaw country, and they were visited by many seeking refuge. So Tom Starr is kind of all in with those outlaws, whether Bell was or not, right? Mm -hmm. So Bell, it's... Um, it, some evidence suggests that she was not, she did not encourage these activities. It was her hope, as expressed in one of her letters, quote, to live out her time in peace. There's no evidence that Bell was the leader of any outlaw band. So as we read more about history, Bell is really, I mean, she kind of she's against all of this outlaw criminal behavior. Okay, after their marriage, neither Bell nor Sam appeared in any official court record until July 31st, 1882, when they were charged with horse stealing. Now, horse stealing was a really awful crime because horses were expensive. Um, and that was your way to get around. We, Dina, do you know that we have a distant uncle who was hung in the, he was hung in the yard of his home for stealing a horse. No. Yeah. I so it was bad. That. I mean, if you were, if you were um, found guilty of horse stealing, you quite often you were hung. <laughs> Bell and Sam appeared in district court at Fort Smith on November 7th, 1882. Okay, people, what have episode have we done about a court in Fort Smith, Arkansas? Dina? The hanging judge. I know, yes. I know. Yeah, so I, the grand do jury- Do I win anything for that? Sure, a drink. Um, <laughs> the grand jury handed up a bill for larceny in Indian territory- Tom Starr made bail for them and they returned to Younger's Bend to await trial. The four-day trial was held in hanging judge Isaac C. Parker's episode, uh, season three, episode two that Dina did. Mm 
in his court early in March, 1883. You did that. You huh? did that. You did have the hanging judge. I did? It was all you. Yes. <laughs> huh. Hmm. Really? <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I did it. What? <laughs> Dina, quit trying to take um, credit. To I'll quit trying to that. take credit you of your did. stuff. <laughs> Uh, okay what okay so (laughs) it was me i'm so sorry i I remember the photographs oh it's been a long awful semester i don't remember anything bell was found guilty on both counts and sam only on one since and this you know you think well of course the woman but remember sam is three quarters cherokee and so since the court lacked jurisdiction in cases where one indian committed a crime against another because that was always in indian court Mm -hmm. judge parker sentenced sam to 12 months and bell to two six-month terms in the house of correction in detroit So I know the judge explains his rare display of leniency by pointing out that this was the first conviction for both defendants and that he hoped they would decide to become decent citizens. Okay, Okay. so after serving time, uh, Belle is now a felon and her notoriety grows over suspicion for later crimes. She reputedly carried one or two pistols and wore gold earrings and a man's hat with feathers. Though some have argued that she lived more of a home-based life while Sam was the one that engaged in illicit activity, which is probably the truth. Uh (laughs) So you see some um, descriptions of her where she's this beautiful woman and she has gold earrings and she rides through town and all this stuff. There is also a description of her as, quote, bony and flat chested with a main mouth, hatchet faced, goth tooth tart. So in her later years, she really was a companion to known thieves and felons, but it's doubtful she ever did more than steal horses and provide a haven for fugitives. So she was never really the bad guy. The leader. She wasn't the leader of the. No, she just gave him a meal. So Bell was arrested twice more, but was never convicted again. Sam Starr was killed in 1886. The Cherokee authorities maintained that Bell's claim to her land at Younger's Bend ended with Sam's death. The problem was easily solved. Bell took up with the adopted son of old Tom Starr, 24 year old Bill July alias Jim Starr. So she takes up with kind of a half brother. brother. And he was a Creek Indian. So July moves in with Bill, thereby resolving the claim to the land. And he was her last husband. Okay. Bill's son, Eddie, was almost 17 at this time. And he made no pretense of accepting Bell's new husband. Meanwhile, Bell rejected the young man that her daughter, Pearl, now 19, wanted to marry. Pearl was sent away to live with friends. During her absence, Belle tricked the lover into believing that Pearl had forgotten him and married another. Sad and dejected, the young man sought consolation from another and soon married someone else. Pearl and this young man would later learn of Belle's deception and meet secretly several times. So 
even though she wasn't the main bad guy, she wasn't, she wasn't a good guy either. Right? She wasn't very nice. And here's more. Belle becomes irate when she learns that Pearl's pregnant. So she gives her daughter two alternatives. Pearl could visit a noted Fort Smith physician or leave and never bring her child into Belle's presence. So boy, in the late 1880s, that's quite a choice, right? Mm -hmm. So Pearl leaves to be with her grandmother and have her baby, uh, Flossie, who was born in April 1887. Belle was not greatly concerned with Pearl's absence because another problem required her attention in June. Her new husband was arrested, indicted, and released on bail for horse stealing. Lots of horse stealing. Lots of horse stealing. Then in July 1888, Eddie, Eddie, her son, was charged with horse theft again, giving him something in common with his stepfather. By that December, Eddie left home. Okay, so that kind of gives you a picture of her. I'm almost done, but, um, you know, she was sort of misunderstood in a way, but she wasn't really a great person, you know. Actually, we don't know. I mean, that's the thing. There's, you know, like a lot of those um, Wild West legends, um, their real history is either unknown or uh, not what we think it is. Okay, so... The area near Younger's Bend was being settled by farmers. This is in Arkansas. One individual, Edgar A. Watson, and his wife had arrived seeking land to rent. Bell agreed to rental arrangement and accepted payment in advance. Later, as she became acquainted with Mrs. Watson, she learned that Edgar Watson, Watson was wanted for murder in Florida. Remembering the tribal council's threat to expel her from her land if she was caught harboring fugitives, she attempted to back out of the deal with Watson. Watson insisted that he would farm the land for which he had paid. Finally, in a face-to-face confrontation, she um, told him that the Florida authorities might be interested in his whereabouts. In other words, she threatened him. Mm -hmm. That did it. Watson was furious, but he accepted the refund of his rent money and wrote, wrote, away, rode away. The Watsons settled on another farm in the vicinity. This is kind of important. So on Saturday morning, February 2nd, 1889, Belle and her husband set out together from Younger's Bend. July was headed to Fort Smith for his horse stealing hearing, and Belle was going to a nearby community to shop. (laughs) just funny you go to court i'll shop Um, bell stopped at the house of some neighbors the rose on that sunday afternoon she ate and chatted with her friends um they say she was nibbling on a piece of cornbread as she went out the door and headed for younger's bend um younger's bend the road at younger's bend passes by the watson's new cabin And as Bell turns onto the river lane, um, a shotgun blast blew her from the saddle. She attempted to raise herself from the roadway, but a second shot boomed out, striking her in the face and shoulder. Her horse bolted and galloped home. Pearl, alarmed when Bell's horse showed up without her, set out at once. 
Meanwhile, Bill has been discovered by a young boy returning home. Pearl and neighbors arrive at Bill's side before she died, but she was unable to utter any last words. Investigations um, of the scene revealed tracks leading toward the Watson cabin, but the trail sort of fades out within a hundred yards or so of their cabin. The footprints were Watson's size and they knew that Watson owned a double barrel shotgun. Several neighbors had heard the shots, but no one had seen anything. Neighbors and friends, including the Watsons, gathers at Bell's home to pay their last respects. So that if the Watson, if the Watson man was the one that shot her, that's pretty okay. courageous, right? So Belle is laid to rest on February 6th in front of the cabinet youngers just before her 41st birthday. She had cultivated some enemies over the years, including her son, Eddie, and daughter, Pearl, but Watson was the primary suspect, yet he was eventually released as there were no witnesses to the crime. In summarizing her life for a Fort Smith elevator um, story, about a year before her death, Bell was quoted as saying, quote, I regard myself as a woman who has seen much of life. Her gravesite is near Eufair Lake, southeast of Porham, Oklahoma. A horse was engraved on her tombstone along with these words, shed not for her the bitter tear, nor give the heart to vain regret. Tis but the casket that lies here, the gem that filled it sparkles yet. So I know that's a great, that's a great quote. So, yeah. I mean, like we say, well, this wasn't spooky or whatever, but it, it kind of considering what's going on in the world right now. And that's all I'm going to say about that, because do we have another hour and a half? And after three drinks, I could absolutely go on and on and on. Yeah. Um, it's so unfair how she was portrayed whether she was good or bad I mean people just made up stories about her and that was that uh-huh. yeah and if you watch that movie with Gene Tierney I mean that's totally sensationalized and so as you guys as you all let, let Dr. Larson the theater history professor tell you as you read history just know that there is nothing objective no news is objective. No newspapers are objective. Nothing is objective because it's always filtered through other people. So yeah, that is the very long history and mystery of Bell Star. Well, good job. That was very interesting. Thank you. I don't even know what I said. So well, you can, Hey, you know what? You can listen to it on our podcast. (laughs) I can. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. crazy. Yeah, that works. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to us and yeah, uh, making it through our craziness. Some some days are worse than others. We get this, it all out though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yes. The whole enunciation and pronunciation thing sometimes is really hard for us. So, well, you know what? I noticed that. I was looking at words ahead of what I was reading, and that's I would like make contractions of words that shouldn't be contractions yeah. i think yeah so. oh sorry that was a big old yawn this oh my a, god did i bore a you a long week 
Huh? Bill Star? You don't like Bill Star? What the? Remember my whole? We've been getting home at midnight and getting up at six fifteen. Yeah. 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 I'm ready to sleep in. Anyway, anyway. thank you guys. Thank you for yes, um, thanks. tuning in, listening to us. Remember to leave us all the stars when you subscribe. Go check out our Patreon. Um, Patreon. Patreon. That's what I said. (laughs) Patreon. I told you I was tired. I said it right the first time. Okay. All right. Uh, Facebook and Instagram will have our um, drink um, instructions is what I was going to say or recipes, whatever you want. Uh, that's where you can find those at and also our pictures um, of the drinks and then sometimes we find cool pictures and we'll throw those up on those places too Um, we release on the first and the 15th again and um goodbye thanks for thanks for listening and remember if you liked it tell all your friends but if you didn't keep keep your your big big mouth mouth shut. shut